But it is part eight of Galatians. Now, there's six chapters, and you say, how does that work? Well, we broke a few down by two, but I get to conclude this sermon series, and it's been an awesome sermon series. I'm so thankful for pastor. Come on, let's honor our pastors. We love our pastors. They have such great vision. They love the house of God. They love God, but more importantly, they love people. And Pastor Marco's heart for Galatians was that we would understand it's not what we do that gets us to God. It's what God did for us, Jesus did for us, that brings us to this righteousness. And so all of Galatians, I'm going to jump right in, all of Galatians is just this proclamation that it's the gospel, it is Jesus, it is the cross, that we are saved. It's not what we can do, although there's there's an aspect of what we can do, but it's only through Jesus that we are saved because in in this book... The Judaizers, the religious leaders, were trying to get that church, the church of Galatia, to most importantly, more just circumcision, which my dudes, we we would have been very afraid. If someone came into our church and said, you need to circumcise, I'd be like, you from the devil? No. (laughs) They They didn't have that maturity in the Galatia church. They were very young. And so Paul sends this letter out just to say, hey, what they are doing and what they're trying to get you to do, they're trying to compel you to do these things is wrong. The right thing is that you are justified through Jesus. And thank God that we are justified through Jesus. Amen. And so in chapter 6, Paul is making his final exclaim. He was his final uh, refrain, as you might add. He makes his final remarks. And you should go read um, verse 7 through 14. I'm not going to touch on those. But it's kind of the summary of all of Galatians. He, he ties everything up, and it's just a beautiful way to summarize. If you don't like reading and you want to get the summary, what I usually do is I go to the last chapters and I read the last one. Okay, that's what it was all about. Good. So that's what Paul is doing. He just wants to hit it again. And if you're a leader or if you're a parent, you know the power of repetition. And so he's just repeating himself so that they can get it ingrained in their mind, their heart, and their soul. And so in chapter 6, how he sets it up, though, is where I want to camp out. It's Galatians um, 6, verse 1 through 5, and he's painting this beautiful picture of what the community of God needs to look like. And he paints it in such a way that he says, you don't live by doing your own thing, you live by the gospel. And I'm going to say this word gospel a lot throughout this preaching. And gospel, all it means, it means good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that we can't do anything to earn his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. It's him that did the work for us. That's the gospel. When we say gospel, that's what it means. And so Paul is making his exclaim that we are to live as a gospel community. And so we're going to camp out here. and We're going to work through the importance of being a gospel community. And so we're going to read Galatians 6, verse 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burden, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. And they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. And so Paul here is giving us a 30,000-foot eye view of what this community should look like. He's giving us the game plan, the layout. And so we, we see how we should live by, but some of us see that first verse and be like, oh, it's my job to call out that person in sin. 
No, if you read correctly, he says, if you are led by the Spirit, gently through the, we heard about the fruit of the Spirit, gently lead them to restoration. Now, restoration is kind of like, uh, you know, when you break your bone, you're trying to heal it. That's, that's what he's talking about, restore. So there's, there is a guideline on how to get to this level of community. And, and so he's, what he's saying, ultimately, he started off with, um, in, in the verse, I don't think it's the first one. No. Well, he started off with saying, this is what the community is going to look like. But he gave us the goal, but we have to now kind of do the work to how do we get to that? And so before we can get to this place, because we can't give what we don't have. So he says on five, and we're going to go to five now, we have to reverse engineer these first five verses to figure out how do we get to this community of healing? This community of sharing the burden, this gospel community. So he starts off with Galatians 6, 5, or I'm going to start off with Galatians 6, 5, Galatians 6, 5, for each one should carry their own load. Now, yes, load does have a Greek translation. And load simply means like a backpack, a knapsack, some, something that you carry. So he's telling us that we have our own opportunities We also have our own circumstances that we have to steward. And so we start on ourselves. Again, because we can't give what we don't have, so we got to start with what we have. We got to steward what God has given us. And in that stewarding, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to let you know that God is three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're created in His image. So we are spirit, soul, and body. And each of us, like I said, we have our own opportunities and our own circumstances. We have tasks to manage. We have chores. Now, when I say chores, some PTSD just kicked in for most of us. I I hear my mom and I hear her chancla, which is her sandal, coming at my head. Boy, you better wash them dishes. But these these chores are different because they align us to who God has created us to be. And so we're going to spend a little time in some practical on how to build ourselves, how to take responsibility of our body, of our soul, and of our spirit. And I broke it down in, in three things. I broke it down as feeding our triune body, exercising our triune body, and resting our triune body. To be in the image of God, we need these three things, I believe. And so we're going we're gonna to start off with feeding our spirit, soul, and body. We feed our spirit, this is the spirit within us, this is God's spirit within us, we feed it by reading the Bible. Now you say that's rudimentary, but you're feeding your spirit. When you, when you read the word of God, you're feeding the thing that should have priority in your walk. If I'm led by my soul, I'm led by my emotions, and emotions go to and fro. If I'm led by my body, I'm led by my urges, and so you will catch yourself in the wrong things. But if I'm led and I feed the Spirit, I'm leading by the Holy Spirit. And so we read the Bible because the Bible tells us who we are and who we are not. If I don't know what the Bible says about me, I absolutely do not know who I am. I will use other things to tell me. It's kind of like what Pastor said last week. Tell me who I do. Do you know who I am? Sorry that you don't know who you are. The Bible tells us who we are. And so we feed our spirit by reading the Bible. We feed our spirit by prayer. Prayer is communication. Now, every relationship hinges on communication. My marriage hinges on communication. It's the same way with God. When we pray, we're communicating. And being in communication with God is feeding 
our spirit. It's, it's, it's intimacy with God, and it's feeding us to go farther in this walk with the Lord. And that we feed our spirit by worship. Worship is a surrender, in essence. It's a surrender to God, crying out to him, saying, you're a holy, holy, holy. But when we do that, we are connecting with our creator. We are people of worship. We were created for worship. Why do you think we are people of extremes? When we find something new, we are the person of extreme. When I picked up golf, I was extreme. I thought I was going to be Tiger Woods, so I was obsessed with it. And God was like, hey, that is becoming an idol in your life. And I was like, oh, man, it's crazy how quickly I can go to an extreme because we're created for worship. Some of us do it with TV, our phone, TikTok, Instagram, um, what else is that? A lot of things are out there that can take our worship. So when we worship God, we're connecting to our creator and he is feeding our spirit because the spirit within us is his spirit. He's given us his spirit. And so we feed our soul now with love language. There is a book called Five Love Languages. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's a great book, kind of gives you some insight on who you are and what kind of fills your, your emotional tank. And so we feed our soul by these love languages. Mine is, is words of affirmation and physical touch. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying. Anyway, anyways, my wife knows. Anyway, so you feed your soul by your love language. I, I get fed when my wife or my friends affirm me. I don't do it as I need it, I need it, I need it. But when they do do it, I, something happens in me. I just feel loved. I feel like my, my soul, my emotional tank is filled. And then you do something you enjoy. Doing something you enjoy is extremely spiritual. Like I mentioned, I like hitting some golf balls. There's something spiritual about it. I don't know. When I'm out there, I'm terrible. I suck at it. But every time I go, I'm like, I, I just feel great. I go home. I'm more happy. I don't know. Something happens. There's an exchange. There's a feeding of my soul. Another thing I enjoy doing, it, I was going to say eating, but I, I've changed my ways. I, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting a demand on that. Be like, you're only eating this much. Um, reading. I love reading. Reading has just changed my life because I know what I, when I feed my mind, when I feed my soul, I'm great growing to see better, to see more clear, to have a different perspective. And so we feed now our body. Now I put wholesome food and not fast food. I'm, this is not a rule. This is just a, maybe you should try not eating fast food because I've come to the conclusion every time I eat fast food, a few things happen to me. I hate myself. Anyone? Yeah, you laugh because you can testify. <laughs> Someone had Taco Bell last night, woke up this morning, was like, oh my God, why? Why? And then two, I regret my decision. And I've made a decision this year and going forward that I will never regret what I put into my body. It's a decision I'm making, and so I have to make a conscious decision every time what I'm feeding my body. Because we're triune people, everything connects. It's not like if I do this, it's just going to be this. No, this spills into this, this spills into this, and then they all work together. If I eat right, my soul's good. If I eat right, my spirit feels alive. And so they all work together. And the goal is that we are led by the Spirit of God in us. Because, again, if we're led by our soul, we're led by our emotions. And our emotions get us into some bad, bad things, bad relationships, bad circumstances. And if we lead by our body, we're led by our urges. And therefore, that's what addiction come out of. We, we catch ourselves in some dangerous things that will lead towards death, right? Amen. And so now we move from feeding ourselves to exercising our triune body. Now I said exercise, some of y'all got mad at me. It's okay, we'll work through it together. 
we exercise our spirit by fasting. We did a whole sermon series on fasting, and fasting is feasting. Yes, you are feeding your spirit, but what fasting is doing is that you're putting your spirit above your physical body and your soul, and you're exercising the faith and the strength of your spirit over your soul and body. So it is exercise. And then if we're fasting, now we exercise by sharing our faith. We invite someone to church. These two work together, but what that does, again, you make yourself lead by the spirit within you. You put away the thoughts in your mind like, oh, they're going to make fun of me because I'm a Jesus thumper. I'm a Bible thumper and a Jesus believer. No, you're like, no, there is something greater for their life. I know because I was healed by Jesus, and now I can find this freedom for them. This freedom is accessible to them. And so we exercise our spirit through these, and then we exercise our spirit through the crew. Again, you're finding yourself surrounded by believers who are being led by the Spirit. And so crew is vital to exercising your spirit, joining the mission, putting your hands to the plow. Again, you're denying your body, you're denying your emotions and saying, I'm going to put my hands to the plow. I'm going to greet someone at the door, inviting them into church. I'm giving them a place to experience Jesus. I'm denying myself because I'm exercising my spirit within me. I'm exercising this because when I come out of here, now I'm going to go to my job and I'm I'm going to exercise my faith. So it works together. And then we exercise our spirit by getting baptized. Like Aaron said, some of you are on the, on the brink and you need to take that step. Take that step. Exercise the spirit within you. Because when you come out of the water, you're going to find this new life. And you're going to be like, why did it take me so long to get to this place? Exercise the spirit within you. I'm calling you. Today we have classes. Join. Get baptized. Trust me. You won't regret it. You will not regret it. And so we exercise now our soul. Again, remember, we are a triune body. We're a spirit, soul, and a body. So we got to exercise now our soul, doing something nice for our loved one. I put choose to lose because we're doing this thing called radical mentoring. And last month, yeah, yeah, last month we did choose to lose, but we're going to carry this forward, right? It's, it's not something we do a month. It's something that we do in our life. It's called choose to lose. And the whole premise is that we take Jesus' spot and we choose to give out with the expectation of nothing in return. You know that song we sing, Reckless Love? That's, that's kind of like where this comes out of. So we choose to lose. I'm going to do something nice for my loved one and expect nothing in return. I'm exercising my emotional bandwidth to not expect anything, just to do good things for the people I love. And then when I do it for the people I love, I'm going to extend that love farther out to people I do not know. And I'm going to choose to lose there, expecting nothing in return. Absolutely nothing. I'm not expecting you to come to church. I'm just going to be a good guy. I'm going to be a good girl and just love on you. I don't want to, we don't want to say that, not love on you. Just be nice to you and help you through your life. Not expecting you to come to our church, but just knowing that the Jesus in me, the spirit in me is attractive enough that it's going to bring you to where I find healing and restoration. Amen. And so now we exercise our body. Now, you're going to get mad at me, but yes, we're going to go to the gym If we don't like the gym because we have social anxiety or something, we're going to work through that, but we're going to be active as well because it is important. Our bodies, again, our triune body, but our physical bodies are a temple of God. This year, the word for our family is foundations. So I said, God, I'm going to rebuild with you the foundations in my life through every aspect of this body. And so this year I decided I'm going to I'm gonna, I need to lose some weight. So each quarter I'm losing, I hope to lose 15 to 20. And I'm proud to say that I've, I've lost around 22 pounds going, going around there. But 
But it was the power of community. Honestly, it's Misael. I saw him going, and I saw him getting healthy, and it pushed me. So I was like, you know what? I need to exercise, not just to look how I want to look, but to give God my best. Because this is what people see. And I want them to see a good steward of what I have. Not because I want to look good, no. Because I want them to see that I care about what God has given me, and you should care about what God has given you to walk this out. So we need to exercise our body. Now, I better get a cut from Planet Fitness because I know they're, they're, it's going to go up. <laughs> and so we, we, got, we got fed, we're exercising, and now we need to rest. So we rest our triune body by practicing the Sabbath. The Sabbath in the ancient times, and it's still practiced today, is Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 6 p.m. It's a, tw- a 24 hours, a full day. You don't have to get there. That can be the goal. But practicing the Sabbath is creating time throughout your week where you just remember God, you rest your body, you're not doing anything, you're not, you're not, you're not um, working, you're just focusing on the goodness of God, you're resting your body, your mind, your soul, and you're connecting with God. You can do that any day. You can do 30 minutes on a Monday, an hour on a Tuesday. You can figure out what plan works out for you where you get rest to your body to remember what God has done. Again, it's not what we do, but it's what God has done for us. And so we sleep too. You got to sleep. We got to sleep. I've been, I've been trying my best. I'm not the best at this, but I'm getting better. I have a Fitbit, so it tracks my sleep. And every day I wake up, I'm like, oh, what did I do today? 86? Oh, that's good. Oh, 69? Yikes. I need to work on this. But sleep is so vital. We were created for sleep. One of my favorite stories about sleep is the prophet Elijah. He had just defeated, I was it, 40,000 prophets of Baal. They all were burned to a crisp. And then Jezebel, this, this queen, says, if, be it to me that if you're not dead by this time tomorrow. He goes, he gets afraid, runs to a cave, and he's just depressed. He said, it would be better if I wasn't even born. And God says two things to him that he needs to do. One, eat. Arise and eat. The second thing is rest, sleep. Some of the things we're going through is because there's a lack of sleep. And so your, your, your mind is all boggled and you're choosing the wrong things because there's not a cognitive decision-making happening in your brain. And so you're just choosing the wrong things because you haven't slept. And so I, I tie this together because he says, carry your own load. This is what we have to carry. It sounds like a lot, but it's not really a lot because one pours into the other. It's our, it's our, our responsibility to carry our spirit our soul, and our body. Jesus, yeah, Jesus did the good work. And so we don't work for salvation. We work from salvation. So we live, we are going to be good stewards of this because this, myself, yourself, matters to the community. If you're not good, then we're not good. So you matter. You stewarding yourself matters. Amen? And then Paul warns us of pride. In verse 3 and 4, he warns us of pride and comparison. He says, all right, you're carrying your own load. You're doing good. You're walking the walk. It's, again, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. So you're progressing as a believer. You're progressing as a Christian. You're progressing as just a human being. You're doing good. Now be careful because you can take pride in what you're doing. And then when you take pride in what you're doing, you're going to start comparing yourself. It's innate. We're always going to compare It doesn't matter on where you are, you're going to compare whether it's someone above you or someone below you. You're always going to compare. And even if it's someone on the same level, it's not about levels, but someone's doing just as good, you're like, yeah, but they're not doing as good as me. 
or they're doing a little bit better than I am. Let me see your paycheck. See, see, let's measure who's winning. And so he warns us about this. So let's read Galatians verse six and three, uh, verse six, uh, chapter six, verse three. Sorry. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Let that sink in. Let's go to verse four. Make a cheerful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Come on, let that sink in. We're going to take like two seconds. One, two. Amen. <laughs> Comparison is the greatest thief of your joy. You, wanna, you want your joy to be gone? Compare yourself. Because someone's always doing better, and someone's always less than. And so if you want to steal your joy, go ahead, compare. But even more dangerous, if you want to steal your purpose that God has placed only for you, compare. Compare yourself to someone else, and that will strip you of your purpose. Because what you are doing, yeah, that hits. Because what you are doing is you're saying, I want to be there. And you lose what's right here. So you start walking to the side, but God's like, no, you're supposed to be right here, dummy. Move over. You begin to steal your purpose when you start to compare. And it's a sad thing because we've seen it time and time again. Imagine if I came here every Sunday and said, I'm going to be Justin Timberlake. One, I would get fired. So that would, that would suck. But two, y'all would be seeing a Mexican trying to do dance moves. That ain't good for nobody. I'm not going to compare myself because what Justin Timberlake has is for him. What I have, God has placed me here. And the same is for you. God has given you a road just for you. So when you begin to take pride in yourself over someone by, by comparison, you are instantly taking yourself out of the plan and purpose God has for you. And you miss out on all the wonderful and all the blessings God has for you. So stay your lane and don't compare. Another thing about taking pride in comparison and trying to live in someone else's purpose, you have to sustain that purpose. Now, how tiring is that? Trying to take care of my kids is already tiring. Imagine taking care of myself every day, sustaining myself every day. My God, I'm a nut job and and, and a whole thing. Anyways, but you have to sustain it. But when we live in God's call, he's sustaining it. Meaning there's a river you flow in when you're flowing in the purpose of God that God has given you. What does Jeremiah 29, 11 say? I have a plan and a purpose for your life. But in that verse, in the entirety of it, they were in Babylon and they were struggling. And he says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. But if you try to get out of where you are, he says, set up camp, get married, have babies, take root right here. But if you try to get out of that, you are on your own. No, God wants us to be rooted right where he has us. That's why we can't compare and we can't take pride in our own self because it is God that, uh, that calls us and anoints us and pulls us. And we hear it in two ways. We hear it in the superiority side and the inferiority side. We hear it this way. They couldn't handle my life. They couldn't handle my Some of us have said that, right? You said that this morning. You drove in with the Mercedes. Someone drove in the Pinto. You're like, they couldn't handle what I got. That, that premium gas, they couldn't handle that. You know what I'm saying? I filled my gas tank yesterday, and I was like, oh. Pray for Joe. Thank you, Lord, for our president. We love him. Amen. We got to prophesy. Uh, but <laughs> you say they couldn't handle my life, and you were very right. They couldn't. 
but you couldn't handle theirs. Because they're called to where they're called, you're called to where you're called, so take care of where you are. And then we hear it the other way. We hear the inferior side. Why don't I have their life? And I'm here to remind those who do with the inferior side, it's okay, baby. God has you exactly where you need to be. Remind yourself that they're dealing with what they're dealing with. You got to deal with what you're dealing with. And no one can deal with what you're dealing with. Only you and God and a band of brothers and a band of sisters. So stay right where you are. (laughs) So we carry our own load. We are all unique. We have our own life. We have our own journey. We all didn't start the same way. We all didn't start in San Angelo, Texas, move to Austin at age 12, at, at age 20-something, move to Rhode Island that no one ever heard about. From 25 to 26, moved to New Bedford, and in New Bedford, got married, had two kids. We don't all have that same story. That's my story. That's unique to me. That's my journey with God. I can't compare because we didn't start the same. We didn't get saved at the same. We didn't even get baptized the same. I got baptized in a Spanish church that was mighty charismatic. You probably would look at them and be like, oh my God, get me out of here. You don't have my story. And that's beautiful because you have your story. And so we take, we take, we take responsibility of the load that God has given us. We take responsibility of the backpack that God has given us because it matters. Paul is calling us to this. He says it's vital because you have to get your house in order because, again, you can't give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. And why can't you give what you don't have? Because if your friend asks you for $100 and you only have $10, how are you going to do the other $90? You don't have it. You can't give what you don't have. And if you try to give what you don't have, after a while, it might work for a little bit, but after a while, what happens, these these dangers happen. And the biggest danger that is happening right now within the church, but also in the secular world, is burnout. Now, burnout sounds, sounds innocent. Be like, oh, you can just go on a vacation. You'll be all right. No, it's, it's dangerous territory. The reason why it's dangerous burnout is you pouring everything you have into it, and at the end of it, you're like, I have nothing more to give, but I still got to give more, but I have nothing. And so you find your place at this place of, like, desperation, and that's when depression kicks in. And depression's a nasty monster. And that's when anxiety attacks kicks in. And that's a dangerous thing, too. But, and then it leads to the saddest thing, suicide. Now, we're not messing around. This stuff is heavy. When we give what we don't have, we find ourselves in dangerous grounds of burnout. But even beyond that, we find ourselves damaging the people we love. Now, I was very careful to choose the word damage. But I believe that it is the right word for what happens when we start to give what we don't have. And after a while, this is what happens. We begin to abuse the people we love through verbal abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse. And we're seeing that now, sadly, in the church. And it breaks my heart because I love pastors and I love the heart of pastors because they are building people up who are lost and broken and pointing them to Jesus. And and the Bible says if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. So the enemy has a target on pastors' back. And it's very sad to see pastors going out because they're giving what they don't have because they missed out that they had to take responsibility of their own triune body. It's a sad, sad thing. And it's extremely serious. And then, and then one, one more thing happens. You break trust and you burn bridges. 
Now, trust is a hard thing to rebuild. It's hard to build, it's easy to break, and then it takes twice as long to build that trust. But, 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 but I want to say this, but in Jesus, only through Jesus can true forgiveness really build trust again. Because we learn to truly forgive and to let go and to give it to God and to move forward. And so he's saying it's vital to get your house in order. Hopefully I set that up real good for you. It is vital that you are good. It is vital that you're taking care of yourself, not just your physical body. Yes, I hope you're eating granola and uh, yogurt every morning. That'll be great. But it, it's, it's more better if you get your spirit man walking in front of your soul and your soul walking in front of your body so they follow suit to Jesus alone. Because if we're out of alignment, we are going to go left or we're going to go far right. And yesterday we had the parent forum. And it's very dangerous territory. It's very dark. That's what's happening out in the world. But we are called to be the light, and we can only be the light when we are truly following Jesus. Amen? And so we bind this all together. He says, you got your responsibility. You're doing that great. Again, it's not perfection. It's progression. So you're getting better. You're growing. You're getting stronger. Great. He says, okay, you get there. Now don't take pride in yourself. Don't compare yourself. Great. Now he leads us to why it's important that we are healthy so that when we come into the gospel community, we are leaning on one another, building this gospel community forward. And we're going to read in Galatians verse 1 and 2, 6, verse 1 and 2. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your critical comments for yourself. Come on, let that sink in right now too. My God, he's preaching. I don't even got to preach. I'll just read it. You say Amen. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Christ's law is summed up as the gospel. The law is very light-footed. It just means like like a measuring stick. Like we, this is how we measure that we're following Christ. And it's, we found it in um, chapter 5, verse 14, where he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's completing the law of Christ. It encapsulates how we should live, how we should move forward as a body of believers, how we should move forward as individual people caring for our own soul. Pastor says it all the time, your soul, your responsibility. Or he says another way that I love, especially when, when uh, y'all don't want to worship with us sometimes, he says, you are the worship leader of your own soul. It's you coming to a community of people. And together, as a body of believers, we now lift up the name of Jesus. But we don't just lift up the name of Jesus. We are inclusive, inviting more people to the fold. Because when there's a bunch of healthy people, we are able to spread the load. We're able to spread the burden, might I add. And so we fulfill Christ's law. And the word share the burden, the word burden means a heaviness, a weight, a trouble. And we, we heard a couple weeks pastor talking about the yoke. And I was like, yeah, I could use that, but something went a little further for me. It's, have you ever been to the gym and you see spotters? People spotting people who are lifting weights they shouldn't be lifting? Yeah, it, it's kind of like that. A good spotter, a spotter that we should be to help share the burdens, is someone who is present 
and steps in when it becomes overbearing for the person who has that heavy load. Now, usually people will, so when you're doing a, a heavy load, or you're doing like a heavy bench press or a squat, you're trying to get to this place of muscle failure. And muscle failure is just you breaking down your muscles so much that when it rebuilds, it comes back stronger. So that's why they like to use those heavy weights. If you didn't know, now you know. You're welcome. Now, I'm gonna catch all of y'all trying to do 400 pounds. No, don't do it. Don't do it without a spotter. So the point of a spotter is to alleviate at that moment of failure so that they can help with the burden. They don't take all the burden, but they help when it gets too rough, when it gets to the point of exhaustion or close to death. I love, I don't love, I enjoy YouTube very much. And they have these shorts. And one short I watched was extremely cringeworthy. But I watched it about six times. That's how cringeworthy and great it was. It was this short video, about a minute. This guy is in his room alone. And this is the reason why we need a spotter. This guy was in his room alone. He had some Marvin Gaye or Isley Brothers playing in the background. It didn't make sense to what he was doing, but he was bench pressing 400 pounds all by himself in his room. So he starts off very confident, comes down, gets all the way down, gets to the chest, and then he comes up about halfway or a quarter of a way and his muscles give out and it comes down to his chest. Now it's not connected to his bench press and he has weight locks on it, which is a very dumb thing to do if you're working out by yourself because it holds the weight, which means you can't prop them off so you can't save yourself. So about a minute, it's on his chest and then goes to his neck and he is struggling. He doesn't call out for anybody because nobody's around. He knows it. He knows this is do or die time. So he's struggling for about a minute, doing everything you can. His body was doing things I've never seen a human body do. Try to save his life. And it's at his neck. And it's the craziest thing. At first I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Second time I was laughing hysterically. The third time I was like, oh. The fourth time I showed my wife. And then the fifth time it was both. I was, I was cringing and laughing. That's how crazy it was. But it was at his neck. And then he finally, thankfully, he didn't die. But I read that article that it came with. And it said that in Mexico a woman did the same thing. And she unfortunately didn't make it. Crazy stuff. But the reason why we need a spotter, the reason why we need people to share our burdens is because we can try to do it alone. We can try, and you might be successful, but you might not. You might not. And so we're called as a community to share the burdens of one another so we don't catch ourselves like this guy in his home listening to Marvin Gaye with 400 pounds on his neck and he's trying to survive. No, we stand as, a, as brothers and sisters sharing that burden together, being like, hey, I, I'm with you. I got you. You take responsibility of what you need to, but I got you when it gets heavy. I got you. And the reason why community is so important, because we only know with people who are burdened that there's a proximity. So if you don't come here, if you don't go to crew, if you don't join the mission, if you don't get baptized, you put yourself in a place where the enemy wants you and that's all alone by yourself with no one around to take you out. Addictions don't usually happen when you're in a community. They happen when you're trying to do your own thing. You don't lose all your money in a community. You lose your money because you're following the sum total of your urges to buy everything. No, but when you do it in community, when you do it with people, they're able to share the load. They're able to say, hey, you haven't told me anything, but it looks like something's weighing on you. Can I help you? I just had this last week in our crew. A guy went through, uh, through a moment of, of, of just, like he was just beating himself up. And before I could say a word, because you know guys, we always want to fix things. And so before I could say a word, someone else in the crew who's going through it pretty bad as well, he said, hey, 
Stop beating yourself up. Hey, God loves you. God is for you. It's not what you've done. You're not the sum total of your failures. You are covered by the grace of God. Let's get up together. It was a beautiful moment of what true community looks like, of what true sharing the burden looks like. He was beating himself up, and you could feel it in his soul. You can feel it in his confession. But another man stepped in and said, hey, let me take some of that off of you. Let me carry that burden. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I also want to make burdens very practical because it can be very serious. It, and it should be very serious. There are some things that you can't do alone. You can't overcome addiction by yourself and don't even try. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You need a brother and sisterhood. You need to confess to someone to help share that weight. But burdens are very practical as well. If you know someone's moving out, that's a burden. Help them out. If someone's having car trouble and they need help financially, hey, that's a burden. We help them out. Need help on a golf swing? That's a burden. Come on, somebody. That's a burden. If you know golf, that's a burden. That's a burden. All jokes aside, though, but yeah, we share each other's burdens. James chapter 5, verse 16a says this. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. And so Paul concludes chapter 6, all of Galatians, reminding us that it is by Jesus that we are saved, not in our own works, but through the work of Jesus Christ, the fact that he took that cross and he died the sin that you and I needed to die in order to find forgiveness. He died for us. He took that on himself. He, an innocent man, took a guilty man's death. He did that for us. So he's reminding us of this gospel. He's reminding us that we need to live by it at an individual plane level, but then he's reminding us we have to live out community in this gospel view as well. And then he ends chapter 6, and he summarizes the gospel all. Remember, the gospel is just the good news of Jesus. He took our death, and he died, and he gave us salvation through his work. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And he summarizes the gospel in this one verse. Galatians 6, verse 14. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. May I never boast about anything I do. I'm going to steward what I have, but I'm not going to boast in it. I'm going to boast in the cross because it's because of the cross that I can take responsibility of my spirit, that I can take responsibility of my soul, and that I can take responsibility of my body. It's because of Christ. So I boast in that. And so if you're new today, if your first time here, I hope you can see that we do care about community. And we know that you can't survive out of community. You need people. You need to surround yourself with people. For those online, you need a community of people. We can't survive without one another to share the burdens of one another, to keep accountable one another. And so if you hear this message and it's your first time, we want you to connect with us. We want you to connect online and in person. We want you to connect. Because we know the power of community. And if, and if that's you, after service, I need you. Don't just walk and don't try to walk cool either. Run to next steps and say, hey, I want to be a part of this community. I need this community. I have a lot of things I'm going through and I really need a brother. I really need a sister. Run to next steps if that's you. 
And if you've been coming and you call yourself a new lifer and this is your church, but you haven't prayed the prayer of salvation, we're going to create time for you to pray that prayer because we believe in the power of confession. If I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, I am saved. And so we confess together and we're going to do it as a body. But if that's you, we're going to have, if you go to Next Steps and online, there's going to be a number and a word to type. We want to connect you to some resources. We want to give you a Bible. But not just give you a Bible, again, we want to connect you to this gospel community, this, this community of Jesus Christ moving forward the good news of Jesus through your life. It can be a staple, a pillar, say, hey, I was lost, now I'm found. I was broken, now I'm healed. And so we're going to give time. We're going to give time for you to say this prayer, the salvation prayer. And I want to preface by saying this, this is just the beginning. This is the first step to walk out this life. When you pray this prayer, it's not it. It doesn't encompass it all. This is just the start to walk out this life with Jesus, and it is a beautiful life. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, we're going to pray this prayer together. It's just a great way for us to zone in, not to focus on anyone. No one's looking at you. They're focusing on their own self. So I would invite you to close your eyes and to bow your head. Let this be a moment between you and God. And repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. In need of a savior, would you be that savior? I believe you died, you rose, and you've given me victory. So let me now walk this life with that conviction in my heart that I am yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.